Good morning, church. Welcome. Would you, um, we're going to stand together, and it's our, our time when we gather together to encourage one another with God's Word. We're going to read Micah 7, 15, and then 18 through 19, just aloud to each other um, to encourage one another and as we begin our worship time together. So let's read this. I will perform miracles for them as in the days of your exodus from the land of Egypt. Who is a God like you? forgiving iniquity and passing over rebellion for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not hold on to his anger forever because he delights in faithful love. He will again have compassion on us. He will vanquish our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Isn't that good news? Would you be seated? And the choir's going to sing, and as they sing, and as you look at the lyrics on the screen, make this, let's all make this our prayer together, that the Holy Spirit would be here among us. See 
that be true of this place, would you stand to your feet and let's sing together of the gospel truth of what Jesus Christ has done for us.
seated. God by inviting every person to take their next steps toward Christ. My name's Alan, and this is a great Sunday because today is Back to Church Sunday. So if you're a guest here with us today, or if you just haven't been able to make it out to church in a while and you're here today, welcome. We are so glad that you're here today. We want to extend a special welcome to you. If we've never been able to connect with you before, we would love to do that through a Connect card. That's a card that looks like this. It should be in the back of the seat in front of you. If you would fill this out, this will let us know how we can be serving you and praying for you. Then after service, if you exit through these central doors, you can turn left, and you'll see our next steps desk. There, you can turn this card in and meet someone who'd be happy to answer any questions that you may have and also give you a free gift. So welcome to our guests. We're so glad that you're here today. Today is also a special day because today is church picnic day. That's right. Later today at 4 o'clock here on the grounds will be a great time of food, fellowship, activities. So please come back today at 4 o'clock. Bring your friends, bring your family, be hungry and ready for a good time. It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, well, we're going to transition out to a moment of prayer. And as we do, I invite you to prepare your hearts for an act of worship that we'll partake in later in the service, and that's our time of offering and giving. So would you please join me in prayer? Good morning, Father. Lord, we thank you so much for the cross. We thank you for what you've done, the unthinkable thing that you've done for us as you took our place on the cross. And we come to you without words because of your amazing love for us. You are so worthy of our worship. And today we lift up to you our core value of engaging worship. We ask, Lord, that you would allow us to glimpse more and more of how worthy you are of our worship, of how great you are. We ask that the songs that we sing to you this morning here in this room, that they would be genuine, that they would reflect the state of our hearts. And then we also ask that as we go home and later this week in our personal times of devotion, that we would genuinely worship and encounter you there as well. Let us encourage each other, Lord. It's, it's hard at times to worship you. I pray that as a body of believers that we would encourage each other to worship you because you are so worthy of our worship. Lord, we lift up to you this morning, not only ourselves, but we lift up to you brothers and sisters worshiping you in rotten England at a church plant led by our partner and ministry, Carl Porter. We thank you for Carl, this IMB associate, evangelist, and church planner. We ask that you would bless him and bless this congregation as they worship you today. Let them also glimpse more and more how great you are, how worthy of worship you are. And I pray that as they worship you, it would be a source of healing for them, of, of blessing to them as they come and encounter you. Finally, Lord, we come to you with our greatest need this morning, and that is our need for forgiveness. We just sang this awesome song of what you've done, and we come to you because we have such a great need for your grace. We have all sinned this morning, this past week, and we take a moment just to confess to you the sins we've committed in our hearts, Lord. We now share with you what we've done, what has separated us from you. Forgive us, please, Lord, for the moments that we've been angry at others, maybe too hard on our kids self-centered, selfish, impure in our thoughts and our actions, and so many more. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus 
fully God, fully human, lived a life where he did not sin in any way, but he died a death that he didn't deserve, but that we deserve, that I deserve. Thank you for his sacrifice for us. And thank you that he didn't stay dead, but he rose again victoriously, having victory over death. And he offers life to all who put trust in his name. So this morning, Lord, we receive that. We put our trust in you, and we thank you for the gift of forgiveness and for your love. We continue to worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Is, is that we know, those who are in Christ, that uh, the sins that we've confessed, those sins that beset us, that, um, that just drag us down, the guilt that we feel, that as bad as we think the things that are that we've done, as bad as we think they are, his mercy is more. Would you stand to your feet and let's celebrate that together. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more.
what a great blessing it is to be in Christ, amen, to receive utter forgiveness and love. Well, today we're going to look even more about that, and that is our message today, the message or the miracle of forgiveness. Turn in your copy of God's Word uh, to Matthew chapter 9, we're going to be in verses 1 through 8, you can turn into your devices uh, that you carry with you, read along there, or in the pew Bible that's in front of you. It's page 862, 862, Matthew, go to the big number nine, and we're little number one, Matthew chapter nine, verse one. I just want you to remember something, Grace Church is launching today in Harrison, Ohio. Um, Pastor Mark and I have got to meet the church planter. I uh, got to meet the church planner's wife at a different thing a couple weeks ago, and uh, just thanking God for their call to this area and to uh, have a, ch a gospel-centered church there 
in Harrison, about 25 minutes away from us, so around 275, uh, so not too far from here. Uh, they're part of the SIN Network and North American Mission Board, so just keep them in prayer as they launch out today, and God blesses their, their ministry there. Well, if you're uh, new with us today, and hopefully you are, and we have some guests with us today, we've been slowly walking through the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, this time through, we've been through the Gospel of Matthew uh, several different ways, making a stop and then kind of going somewhere else and then coming back and kind of slowly walking through the Gospel. And these uh, chapters 8 and 9 contain many of the miracles and the recordings of miracles of Jesus. And so the last few weeks, we've been looking at the different miracles of how Jesus has healed the sick and how he's uh, uh, sent out uh, demons, how he's uh, even had the wind and the seas obey him. And today, we're going to look at something that's maybe the greatest miracle of them all, the miracle of forgiveness. So let's read, uh, beginning in chapter 9 and verse 1. And uh, see what the Lord has for us together to learn from his word. So he got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. And just then, some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a stretcher. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Have courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. At this point, some of the scribes said to themselves, He's blaspheming. Perceiving their thoughts, Jesus said, Why are you thinking evil things in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he told the paralytic, Get up, take your stretcher, and go home. So he got up and went home. And when the crowd saw this, they were all struck and gave glory to God who had given such authority to men. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we know that we have come to your word this morning so that we may know you greater, that we may know ourselves truer, and that through this word that you would change us. So, Lord, we meet expectantly here this morning, knowing that your word is power and has the power to change. And we pray for our own heart right now that you would change us. In Jesus' name, amen. As I drive uh, here in northern Kentucky, kind of greater Cincinnati area, I've, I've actually come to find that uh, I'm, I'm a little worried about our literacy rates. Now, I mean, statistically speaking, our country, our area, high literacy rates. Everybody can read, but it's something about maybe the definition that people don't maybe understand. Like, for example, when I'm driving and the guy darts over in front of me and, and causes me to swerve and and I look back and say, oh, well, he had a yield sign. Well, maybe when he read that sign, he read it as merge instead of yield. Or maybe as someone, maybe here in the United States driving, is you see a stop sign, and that stop sign really means slow down just a little bit. Now, of course, for some United States drivers, I would say also some nonverbal 
clues or signs are hard to miss because, you know, when we when we're, uh, see someone at uh, a light and the light turns green, which last time I checked means go, uh, people often stand perfectly still and they don't go anywhere and maybe they're on their phone or they're asleep or checking their makeup or something is going on that they don't take the green to mean go they just stay there also often i mean also we know that the the yellow the yellow signal i guess now means just speed up a whole lot more uh or the uh the uh, stop light the red light really just means yes keep going but cover your eyes as you go i guess that's what uh, some people perceive it as well it is clear that often that we miss the sign and sadly in this passage jesus presents a clear and helpful sign for those who he is talking about to and he sees him that day a sign of who he truly is he says this take heart man your son uh, sorry take heart son your sins are forgiven he puts a big sign of who he is and yet the scribes say he's blaspheming they totally miss the sign of who jesus is they first don't see the sign of who he says he really is they don't understand who he is as the truly son of god we see that when we read the scriptures and the writers talk about miracles their most often used word is power they describe that jesus had the power to perform miracles in other words seeing that he has an extraordinary power among like this world has never seen they also use the word sign the term sign is to point towards something greater something outside of this world a sign to look somewhere else to see where jesus gets this authority wonder is another word that that the people are left because in wonderment because they know that what is being done is not anything man could do maybe it's not a noun maybe it's a verb that you see that jesus heals or people marvel because they see what jesus does and as god allows jesus to do these miracles it is pointing everyone to a sign that jesus is fully god he is he is fully man he is truly the messiah but secondly these people miss the sign of maybe the greatest miracle that jesus performs in his ministry and that is the forgiveness of sins we know that some of the miracles that we've seen and read about is just amazing something we don't see anytime people raised from the dead people healed of lifelong illnesses we we see that jesus calmed even nature had to obey his very words but here 
we see that Jesus forgave the sins of a man when they had come to be healed from paralysis. This miracle of forgiveness was overlooked by many there in the room, but can't be missed by us today. This account of Jesus forgiving or, or healing the par paralytic man is told both here in Matthew, both in Mark and in Luke. In those uh, accounts, we get a little more detail. And probably, if any of you have grown up in church, you've heard about the friends that took the thatch roof off and lowered their friend down because it was so crowded for them to meet Jesus. Well, here, this is this man. And here, what we see is that Jesus had the power to forgive. And in this text, we will see the true wonder of forgiveness of sins. And in this text, there are three blessings, the forgiveness of sins that come through Jesus. So if you're taking notes on your bulletin or in your phones or somewhere else, number one, the forgiveness of sins severs the root of our problems. The forgiveness of sins severs the root of our problems. The true miracle of this story is that the paralytic man received forgiveness of sins and just so happened to be healed of his paralysis too. So in this scene, we see this group of friends and what we learn from the scripture and from other accounts that these men did a great feat. They came to come to see Jesus. The crowds were so crowded, they couldn't even peek in the window to listen to Jesus. People were standing up in the house. People were pouring out in the house, trying to listen through the walls. They wanted to get their friend to Jesus, and their only hope was to take him on the roof, remove the roofing, and lower him down to Jesus. Here Jesus says, Wow, what great faith. Be of courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. Can you imagine the pause? <laughs> His friends said, we just climbed up on the roof and risked ourselves. And the other friend says, is he going to heal him? They're waiting. They don't know what this means. He says, sons, your sins are forgiven. They're waiting for something to happen. But in this words, Jesus makes clear that he's level-headed, he's kind, and he knows how to diagnose the worst problem in his patient. You see, many of us would be sitting there thinking, well, that's not very kind, or maybe Jesus was level, not being very uh, maybe he was just busy because he was so overcrowded by people that he forgot what they asked him to do. But let's just maybe pause, pause at this scenario. If you're in a car accident and you go into the emergency room and the doctor spends his first three hours fixing your broken toe instead of the hemorrhaging brain that injury that you have, you would not think he's very level-headed or kind. 
A good physician does what? Triages the patient. What is the most important thing that needs to be fixed first? And Jesus, the great physician, does the same thing right here. He looks into this man. He looks into all of us and says that I need to stop the hemorrhaging, bleeding of your sinful heart more than I need to fix anything else in your life. Your biggest problem, this man's biggest problem, my biggest problem is our sin. And when Jesus looked at this man, he knew kindly, wisely, understanding that this man needed his sins forgiven more than he needed anything else. You see, he knew he had the ability to to heal him. He knew that in a moment, the man could pop up. But he knew that if he healed his physical ailments, it would be a temporary healing that might last the rest of his life, maybe a few decades. But if he saved his soul, if he forgave his sins, it would last for eternity. So he knew that the most important act that he could do in that moment was forgiveness of sins. So in verse 2, Jesus' authoritative declaration of forgiveness of sins may have not been what the paralytic man and his friends wanted to hear, but it's what they needed to hear. And it's what we need to hear today. See, our felt needs or physical needs may be great, and the Bible tells us we should take those and lay them at the feet of Jesus, but they will never be as great is our need for forgiveness. Why? Because, first of all, our sin separates us from a relationship with God and a vibrant, ongoing relationship with God. The Bible teaches us that we are dead in our trespasses and sin. We are fully separated from ever having relationship with God. We know we are distant from God. The God who created us forms us in our mother's womb, who wants us to be a God worshiper. Our sin separates us from him. And in that also, even if we are believers and take on Jesus Christ, ongoing sin and our life separates us from a vibrant relationship with God. So to both understand the severity of sin and to receive the forgiveness of sin, we must understand that sin is a very offense to God himself. We've got to first acknowledge that. If we want to know that we need forgiveness, we need to acknowledge how great this problem is. And the reason it's a great problem is because it's not just that you mouthed off to your parent. It's not just because you were smart aleck to your spouse. It's not just because you, you robbed, you did something wrong, and that you did something to your community. It is first and foremost and greatest that you offended a holy God. Psalm 51.4 Against you, you alone I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. We acknowledge that our sin is against God. Therefore, we must find forgiveness 
to restore that relationship. And the good news of the gospel is this, is that the very person that we need forgiveness from gives it to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And he says, if you want forgiveness, you can have forgiveness. You can have more forgiveness than you ever knew that you need. You go to my son, Jesus Christ, who died for your sins. And God tells us that it is in Jesus Christ alone that we can be forgiven. So we must know that it is in this miracle that Jesus shows us that he takes care of our biggest need of being separated from God. But we also know that if we, who are believers, when we admit and confess our sin to God, we understand it opens a channel of forgiveness and mercy to us. We understand that it helps us when we have received forgiveness, that, we, that ongoing relationship that we have with God, that he is telling us to turn from a path of sin or turn from a, a decision that we're making that will harm us. You see, it is restoring that relationship with God that is important, and this forgiveness is a gift because it opens the blessing of God to us. Number two, though, we receive the forgiveness also helps us to sever the control of sin that causes brokenness in our life you see because we receive forgiveness because we receive it from jesus christ jesus gives us the ability the power to sever sin's control over us so that we don't go and sin anymore and Jesus' approach to this paralytic teaches us that our ultimate need is never physical, it's always spiritual. Sin is destroying us in our inner being, which results in destruction in relationships in our life. It results in problems in our life. It results in brokenness in our life. And that is the spirit of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to 17. Therefore, we do not give up even though our outer person is being destroyed our inner person is being renewed day to day for our momentary light affliction is producing for us absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory the spirit of that verse is telling us that we know that the outside that we on the outside is being destroyed by all sorts of things that happen in this world sometimes they're choices of sin that we make sometimes they're the choices of sin that others make sometimes it's just the presence of sin in the world that spills over into our life that wrecks us like a car wreck that all of these things happen to us we know but it is the inner self that Jesus preserves completely by granting us forgiveness of sins. And knowing that we can receive forgiveness of sin, therefore freedom for our sin that allows us the ability to stop that brokenness in our life. We admit willingly and knowingly that we know that most of our issues in our relationships and our life can be traced back to a root of sin in our own heart. A parent yells or dismisses a child sinfully. Why? Because the child came in the room and wanted something, but what did mom or dad say? Mom or dad needs their alone time. Now we know that 
all of us parents need our alone time but is it worth sinning over or is that something that we've put down in ourselves as a prideful need that we have to have that we're willing to sin over to keep maybe there's an unfair expectation that we've placed on someone maybe it's at work maybe it's our spouse Maybe it's someone around us that we expect them to do. Hopefully they'll mention me in this meeting and they don't do it. So you talk bad about them behind their back. My spouse is supposed to do this for me. They don't do it. And so there's intense conversations later about it. Why do those issues happen? Bible tells us what is the source of quarrels among you is because of bad desires in our hearts the root of pride of sinfulness sprout out of us into sinful choices and actions but the good news that Jesus gives this man who is paralyzed and to us today that this miracle of forgiveness of sins that Jesus, because of his work on the cross, because he took the wrath that we deserve, because he took our place and bore the punishment of our sin, he is able to give forgiveness of sin. And because of that, he allows us to sever the control of sin and power over us so that when we receive forgiveness in Jesus, we receive the power to forgive others and even live for him. And it's that powerful miracle of forgiveness that we receive this good news for us to live apart from sin. Look, there could be many opportunities and examples that we could talk about, that the things that we know that we do, but ultimately we know it is in the root of sin in our lives. Thanks be to God that this miracle of forgiveness helps us so that we can have freedom over sin. And praise God today, friend, that through Jesus, the miracle of forgiveness of sins can come to you and can come to me. That Jesus severs the sin and problems in our life. Number two, though, the forgiveness of sin is Jesus' authority. Verses 3 through six we, see, 6, we see this discussion that Jesus has with the scribes in the room. In the healing of the man, Jesus showed his authority by being able to forgive our sins. Immediately, the scribes hear Jesus say that he's forgiven the sins of this man, and they say, he's blaspheming. What? Why is he saying that? You see, these scribes know that forgiveness of sins is only something God could do they they've read they know they've memorized Isaiah chapter 43 verse 25 I am the one I sweep away your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more this is the work and action of God himself the scribes say what is how is this man saying these things this is when they miss the sign because Jesus is declaring, I am God. I have this authority. 
I am the one who can do this. And once I go to the cross, once I take on the sins of the world, I know that I will have the authority to grant forgiveness for all eternity. It is in this work of Jesus, knowing that he has the authority to forgive sins. It's important because we know that if he just said it and couldn't do it, it wouldn't matter. But Jesus said it because he can do it. And he's the only one who can do it. And Jesus asked this rhetorical question. He said, well, what's, which is harder? To say that I can forgive sins? Or to say, get up and walk? Now, of course, to the scribes, the, they knew right away that the, the hardest thing to do is to say, your sins are forgiven. Because that's something only God can do. Any doctor or someone might, might be able to heal someone, but only God can heal sins maybe in our modern listening we we might listen to that and say well actually for us to see someone who's paralyzed get up and walk that's that's a pretty big deal i mean to say that you're forgiven i mean well sometimes we may uh, i know that y'all wouldn't do this sometimes i say that you're forgiven and mm, i don't really mean it so just saying that you're forgiven, eh, subjective, maybe that's a miracle, maybe it's not, maybe you mean it, maybe you could do it, but man, if I watch someone walk out of here that came in here paralyzed, that's a pretty big miracle. Well, Jesus said, well, let me answer both of them. Why do I need to do this? Why do I even need to heal this man? Why? Because he says it, so that you see that the Son of God has the authority to forgive sins on earth. I'm going to show you I can do it by doing something amazing. I'm going to prove actually the greater by showing you something the lesser, something you can't see. I'm going to show you something you can see. And here, boom, he heals the man. He gets up and walks. And in doing so, he, see, he shows that he is the only one who can forgive our sins totally and forever. Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect life, and God had him nailed to a cross, not for his sin, but for ours. God poured the wrath for every person on him on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven forever. God promises that all those who trust in Christ alone can come into right relationship with him and full forgiveness through the work of Jesus. And through the act of Jesus, our sins, just as we sang this morning, are thrown into the ocean without bottom or sure we will never be able to see those sins again they will never come up in god's uh in god's uh, house again god takes care of our sins and brother and sister remember that in christ you know that you are fully forgiven and that you receive it because of who jesus truly is and this is a miracle because we know that we are made right with God. But you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I think about forgiveness of sins, I really struggle because it's not just that I'm worried that 
Will God forgive me? But I have a trouble forgiving myself. That I think that I can't measure up. That I'm a loser. That there's something wrong with me. Have you ever felt that way? Satan uses your mistakes and the things that you've done and replays them like a record, always going and always playing like it's on repeat. And in your mind, you think there is no one and no way that anyone could love me in this state. That there's no way and no one, any way possible for God to love me. Brother and sister, See the miracle that happens here. That Jesus can grant forgiveness of sins. Not only did he do it, but he wants to do it. And brother and sister, remember that in Christ, you are fully known and fully loved. It is not just the fact that you've made a mistake and then God found out later about it. God knew the depths of your sin. He knew before they happened. God knew how wretched we are, and yet Christ still died for us. And in this, he knew that when you were at your worst, he died so that you might be made whole to God. Forgiveness in him, you don't measure yourself because Christ has been measured for you. And in him is forgiveness. And you can know forgiveness and know that you are fully loved. I pray if you're struggling with that today, maybe you feel like you're not worthy, that you're not, that no one cares for you, no one loves for you. There's no way out of the mess that you're in. Brother or sister, see the miracle that Jesus is giving and is awaiting for you. He will forgive you of your sins. And he do, does so willingly in love for you. So how do we receive this gift? How, how do we even get this? Well, number three, have faith in Christ for forgiveness of your sins and for, the, for, and for the sins of others. To lay hold of the miracle of forgiveness, we must place our faith in Christ. Now, this is asking you to remember back at the beginning when we read the scriptures. I know it's a long time ago, about 20 minutes or so for you to remember back, but maybe what, how did this paralytic man, how did he, how did he gain this forgiveness? Do you remember? Jesus looked at them and what? Saw great faith. He looked and saw these men who did so much to bring their friend to him, that they, he, they brought him through the roof and that they knew whatever Jesus did, he was the one to answer their problems. They had great faith knowing that all it took was to get G, their friend to Jesus, that he could do a miracle. Even greater that we see that we put our faith in Jesus, that he performs a miracle of forgiveness in our hearts. Jesus wants the faith of the centurion who says, Jesus, just say the word and my, uh, my worker will be healed. 
He wants the same faith who called on in the midst of the storm that said, oh, you of little faith. No, he's saying, no, have great faith in the midst of your storm that I am with you. In the same way, Jesus is saying, we must have great faith in Jesus to take on our very sin. And when we see this great faith, that we, re we give that great faith and trust in Jesus, we receive a miracle of forgiveness in our own lives. John Donne, a 16th century writer, says, when Christ finds this faith, according to that gracious covenant and contract which he has made with us, that wheresoever and whensoever he finds faith, he will enlarge his mercy. My son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Isn't this good news? That by faith we can obtain forgiveness of our sins? By faith we can go to Christ and receive forgiveness? By faith we know that we can take our friends who are struggling in sin, who are, who are struggling in life, and take them to Jesus. And by faith they can receive forgiveness too. You don't have to work for it, friends. You can't even claim it to say, that, oh yeah, my, my parents were Christians at one point or my grandparents were Christians at some point. The way to obtain forgiveness is by faith in Christ alone that you personally trust in Christ. And if you think that you can come to forgiveness through living a decent life or being kind or being generous, then friends, listen to this. You will never be generous enough to overcome your sin. Unfortunately, some might even be professed to be a Christian when they've never been changed or received forgiveness. If I were to ask you, are you a Christian? And you respond in some way similar to, well, I'm working on it, or I'm doing my best, or here, look at these things I've done, then you've truly not trusted in the real gospel because the real gospel of Jesus Christ is better than that. It's not do this or go here or be this way. It's instead have faith in Jesus and be saved. There's in that wonderful gift that we receive salvation of our souls. Our soul is only forgiven by the one who has the authority to do so. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And it is in him alone that we can place our trust. But friend, if you do, you will receive great forgiveness. Forgiveness for all eternity and forgiveness of your sins. So today, if you have leprosy or some other terrible sin, I can't promise you that Jesus will heal you. If you have a child or a loved one who is dying, I can't promise you that Jesus is going to heal them. If you have a fever, I can't promise you he's going to cool it. If you're paralyzed, I can't even promise you, and this is not the promise of this verse, that Jesus will make you walk again. But... What I can say with full confidence is that if you are a sinner who knows that I'm as helpless as a crippled man lowered 
from a ceiling on a mat. I can promise you by your faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done through his death and resurrection and ultimate display of his power and authority that he will forgive your sins. And you can be sure of that. It's not that Jesus can't deal with physical issues or won't deal with physical issues. He spent the last two chapters dealing with physical issues, healing people who were sick, bringing to life people, and also healing this man who is paralyzed. He certainly has shown his concern. And I believe, as well as know you believe, that God heals and he will bring people who are sick into good standing. And it's not that Jesus can't or won't deal with the ailments on the outside. Rather, it's his priority at dealing what's on the inside. For you see, forgiveness is our deepest need. You know, there would be all stops bulletin. Our phones would alert. The network news would go into shutdown. One of the greatest things that could ever be accomplished. And, and I even join in praying that this would be accomplished, that there would be a cure for cancer found. Boy, what a miracle, what, a, what an amazing feat of science and healing and health that God would bestow that on us. But friends, the highest achievement that God and Jesus Christ has ever made is through the healing of our sins and forgiveness through Jesus Christ on the cross. It is something that we need because we know our sins cost us eternity. So brothers and sisters, as we look at these words and we see what Jesus is teaching us, we see the miracle of forgiveness that comes from him but comes to those who believe. And this miracle can be received by you today. Let's thank God for this wonderful gift. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the word that you have given us, the, the good news that you have can and will forgive us of our sins. That, Lord, we see this miracle as not something that just is a flyby or a, a, a footnote at the end of a miracle, but instead the most important thing that you can do in anyone's life. So, Lord, I pray right now if there's someone here that has not turned to you in faith and trusting in you alone for salvation, that they've not been born again, that today would be the day of their salvation. Today they would turn and trust by faith in your son, his work, and his work alone that can save them from their sins. And I pray for those of us who are believers to know and praise God for the forgiveness that we've received and that anything that any sin that harbors in our life that, that we know that we have power over that sin because of what God has granted to us through, our, through his son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray for this forgiveness to be rooted into our heart so that sin is severed, so that one day when we are glorified, we look forward to the day sin has no bearing on us at all. So Lord, I pray through this wonderful miracle that we will rejoice and see what God has done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And let's stand to our feet and let's behold the greater miracle together.
Let's watch this video together. Center for Women's Ministries ministers to women and teen girls uh, in the emotional and spiritual areas of life. We are able to offer our services free of charge to women 
Um, now sometimes we, uh, there's a study guide, uh, and of course we have print materials, but a woman does not have to feel obligated to pay for any of those. So the Liza Broadus monies uh, go towards a lot of those materials, and they also uh, go toward helping us get out in the community and taking uh, not only knowledge of our services to women in the community, but um, taking the gospel out there. I have been coming for a long time to the same group of ladies, and we have become so close. And I know that anything I share with any lady in this facility is totally and completely confidential. It will never get outside these doors. The other thing that this ministry has done is open up an avenue for me to use my art. It's, it's almost therapeutic. God used it for me in my life. So I thought, well, if there was some way to use that in ministry, I would like to do that. So I tried it with our group here and uh, it seemed to get a real positive response. So it has really opened a door for me to use my art to bring glory to God's name. I became involved with the ministry center after my husband passed away. And I got a, a letter in the mail or like a little announcement about surviving the holidays, you know, when you're grieving. And that's when I, I went to that and I, that's how I, I got my feet wet, I guess you'd say. The support of other women who've gone through what I have um, has made a huge difference because I felt so alone and isolated. Staying isolated can be a very dangerous place for a Christian to be. Um, so I felt like that was just a, a playground for the enemy to work in my mind. Uh, to feel like I was alone and, and that um, I didn't have a purpose. So being able to connect with the women gave me a purpose. My heart and my passion is for the women of this community to know their value and worth in Christ um, so that they can walk in their true healing. And, and that's what I feel like this ministry offers outside of anything I've, I've seen. Coming here and going through a couple of the classes, I realized it's not about self-worth, but it's about God-worth. I didn't have a lot of self-worth. I felt like I needed to prove something, um, to have approval of others in order to feel like I was worth anything or my self-image. And now I know who I am in Christ, and I don't need the approval of others to feel valued. And so that has been an important growth in my life. Most of the women coming here, and, and really myself included, even when I began here, we don't have a very good image of ourselves. The analogy that we use is the comparison between a paper cup and a crystal goblet. The world will tell you you're that paper cup. Common, you're cheap, disposable, of not much value. But the crystal goblet is how God sees you because you are his precious treasure, his chosen treasure. A crystal goblet is set before a beautiful place setting at the king's banquet table. If we can help women see themselves as God sees them through the eyes of scripture, then we've accomplished our goal. Well, that is a highlight of one of the many ministries that goes along, goes around in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, supported by our regular giving through our tithes and offerings through our church, through the cooperative program, but also especially for the Eliza Broadus offering. This state offering, 100%, goes to these ministries that you see. And of course, hopefully you've prayed through this past week 
Uh, make sure if you've not gotten one of those prayer guides, you can do so. There's some extra at the Next Steps desk. Uh, but also, we encourage you to pray that you give a generous offering for these ministries. Uh, this is our time to give to these state uh, things that, that even support ministries here in Northern Kentucky. And so we hope that you're generous in giving to these, uh, this offering, Eliza brought us offering. As a matter of fact, that's a reminder to us that we're about to have an offering here in a minute. So if you want to pray and prepare how that you might be able to give, you can uh, do that in a couple different ways. There's envelopes in the pew backs. Uh, there's also a scan that you can do uh, there uh, that you can scan and give electronically. And so there's a couple ways that you can do that and you can prepare. I've got just a couple of announcements until we get to that point. But first of all, as Alan told us and reminded us today at four o'clock, our churchwide picnic right here out here on the lawn. If you saw those things set up, that's, we weren't uh, you know, vandalized in the middle of the night, though this is set up for later in our picnic. And we also need some men to, uh, to stay around right afterwards to move some tables and chairs. So if you could help us do that. Dinner's at 530. So please come early at four o'clock, but you'll want to put some of your stuff maybe in the kitchen or in the, uh, the refrigerator if you need to, but dinner will start at 530. And of course, we're also going to have a gospel hymn sing, so you don't want to miss that. There'll be games, food, some music, so you don't want to miss this afternoon. Bring somebody along. If you're here and our guest today, we hope that you come tonight so that you get to know other people here at Hebron Baptist Church, but have a great night of fellowship as well. Uh, next week, we have several things that are going on. A business meeting right after church. There's an agenda and information at the Next Steps desk uh, that we'll be uh, voting on next week. Uh, it is uh, pertaining to uh, the elder structure. If you have not been to either of our town hall meetings back in February and September, even a whole year ago when we started talking about this, and if you've not read through that, you're new, maybe you've come the last few months or six months or whatever, uh, that information is out there if you need to get it as well so you can read uh, between now and then. But our business meetings next Sunday after church as well as we surely we'll have our fall launch to gospel to every home next week uh hopefully no rain in the forecast or even threat of rain so we will try to have that next week if you've never been we hope that you plan to go four to six o'clock we go to uh homes in our uh, zip code here to uh to uh, knock on doors and meet people with the gospel so hope that you come uh, and be part of that uh, also, if you, uh, this, uh, if you are a guest this morning, we're glad that you're here. Uh, hopefully you filled out your Connect card, and you, if it's your first time here, make sure you uh, get that to the Next Steps desk because we have a gift waiting for you. Uh, but if you want to meet for counseling, if you want to trust in Christ or have questions about following Jesus or want to be baptized or, or, or want to become a member of a church, I'm going to be hanging around the Next Steps desk and would love to talk to you about that then. Actually, we're going to be having a baptism here in two weeks, so maybe if the Lord's been calling you to follow in obedience of baptism, you might want to talk to me after the service about that. So uh, I'll be, look forward to meeting you there at the Next Steps desk after the service. Well, we've come to our time of, uh, of offering, and uh, as we've said, we, the Lord grants us a, a many opportunity to spread the gospel through our regular tithes and offerings. As a matter of fact, that Grace Church that I talked about to you today, 
They are a SEND church, sponsored through the North American Mission Board. They are supported by your very offerings that you give week in and week out to Hebrew Baptist Church that we send through the Southern Baptist Convention to the North American Mission Board. And we are being part of that church today because of your faithful giving. And so we're thankful that we can be a part of this as we give. We know many of you give faithfully uh, to the Lord during this time. So let us, as we come to this, worship the Lord for what he's doing in our midst and how he will use us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for all you give us through uh, provisions of finances, jobs, uh, care from others. And that God, we know that you have given to us financially so that we might also use it to give back to you your purposes in your kingdom. And Lord, we're thankful for the generosity of, of people who come to Hebron Baptist Church but even more so, the opportunities and avenues that we can have to support gospel ministry throughout North America and the world. And so, Lord, we're thankful and we're, we're praying, Lord, for Grace Church that starts today and that many more churches will be supported and encouraged by our faithful giving. So, Lord, as we give right now, we give all the praise and honor to you. And we ask you, Lord, to bless what we give so that it may be multiplied so that the gospel can advance around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Let the earth ring to all the world. 
grace that brought it 